catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Earlier today, when I told someone that I would be discussing how much effect artificial intelligence has had on our lives this year, she really didn't believe how much AI had impacted her until I gave a rundown. If you've ever searched for anything on the popular search engine Google and did not have to get to the second and third page, it's most likely because artificial intelligence, AI, helps you by suggesting questions and answers closest to your search question. And also in those YouTube videos, have you noticed that there are markers these days recommending the specific parts to get the answers where you need but then again, Tony, you know that that is not the only way you can use or interact with AI, right? Okay. Yes. I mean, have you heard of Alexa or Siri? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, those voice assistants are clear examples of AI helping you every day. Like, they recognize how you speak. They give results that are tailor-fitted to your preferences. And also, when you book a ride with Bolt, Uber, InDriver, Rider, all of those uh, ride-hailing applications... Both the pricing, traffic status, and the car that matches your ride request is decided by AI. Okay, so are you convinced now? Gloria and I have tried to convince (laughs) you, but I think we should just throw in one more, right? Everyone is on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, maybe even LinkedIn, and there are a lot of others. Do you know that the stories you see every day on your wall and even the notifications that you get on these social media apps are organized like a secretary by artificial intelligence? So AI, just like a smart assistant or a smart secretary, takes all your past behaviors, your web searches, your interactions, and everything else that you do when you're on these apps and tailors the experience just for you. And the sole purpose of AI here, I hear, is to make the app so addictive that you come back to them again and again and again. And I can bet that you know that I know that AI is winning this war against you. Gloria, I am very sure like, that I, you I, are losing this war um, against AI. Yeah, I really. <laughs> mm-hmm. So whenever you search for things online, you effectively use AI in its true sense. Now, in this very episode, we will be discussing the other uses of AI, besides the ones that Tony and myself have mentioned, that have shaped the year 2021. The very simple and in-your-face examples and the very complicated ones, all right? There are implications, we're looking at the effects, the advantages, possible disadvantages, uh-huh, because yes, there could be disadvantages and how they've shaped our world in 2021. And to discuss this with us is an AI strategist. She is a trailblazer standing for the unification of the African tech space. And she also wears many hats, such as chairperson, director, and founder across multiple industries, sectors, and technologies. Lavina Ramkison. Yeah, Ramkison has joined us on the show. Welcome, Lavina. Thank you so much for such a warm welcome. Awesome to be here. Okay, so Lavina, we must have missed out um, some other very clear examples of AI in our daily lives in our own introduction. Could you help us with some other areas where the use of AI has been nothing short of wonderful? 
Absolutely. So I think, you know, the first sort of starting point is uh, understanding what this AI is. So, you know, in a nutshell, AI is the ability for a computer or a robot to be able to perform tasks that are then controlled by that computer. So very uh, little room for human involvement. And we've learned that they have now sort of phased into this intellectual process where they can characterize humans, such as the ability to reason, the ability to discover meaning, the uh, generalization, and also the learning from past experiences. So some of these um, sort of examples that we see in our day-to-day -day lives has been, um, you know, things like uh, biotech or healthcare tech, where, you know, uh, for example, with the most recent pandemic, um, you know, AI was actually used to then help us to get to uh, a vaccine much quicker and faster. So that whole five-year life cycle for clinical trials and the rest of it actually came down to just a year uh, for us to be able to effectively roll something out that helped, obviously, the mass population. So that's one real good example uh, in, in terms of that. Okay. All right, then. Let's bring it down to the African continent, Lavina. All right. We need to know how much of AI is in Africa, and we need to know the state of its adoption. Are Africans opening up to using AI? Yeah, I love this question uh, because, you know, this is our bread rights, right, as, as an African continent. Um, so we know from the Global uh, AI Index or Readiness Index that uh, the likes of Kenya and Nigeria ranked as sixth and seventh in terms of being ready for adoption or mass adoption, right? Um, you know, in terms of the state of AI adoption within the continent itself, it's very much a positive one, um, purely because we've raised enough awareness. We have regulation that has then stepped up uh, and has started to being adapted, right? So that we can have more poignant uh, sort of features for us as digital citizens. Um, so to give you quite a, a, a sort of, um, you know, breakdown in terms of uh, all the different countries within Africa, we know, for example, that Namibia is um, known as one of the green energy leaders in the continent, right? Uh, for example, we know Nigeria is the leader when it comes to fintech and regulation. We yeah. know that Ghana kind of sits on the forefront when we talk about AI and robotics. And we know Kenya sits on the forefront when we talk about agri-tech and, you know, and, and so on and so on. Um, you know, the likes of Tanzania, South Africa, Uganda, Rwanda, you know, each one has started to specialize themselves um, in essence to create this leapfrog effect that everyone wants or is expecting from Africa. Um, and by doing so, we can actually then tenfold jump, um, you know, and, and leverage off each other uh, as a continent um, and also then creating somewhat of a central hub of activity. All right, then. Um, some people believe that the drawback of impl implementing AI is that uh, it might eventually make us lazy and impatient because, I mean, Lavina, I was having a discussion with a friend and I told her, I said, do you know that there's nothing technology cannot do? And in some few years, I would tell Alexa to cook me noodles 
okay i do not want to go into the kitchen to cook noodles <laughs> alexa should please cook me noodles i do not want to do anything now some researchers believe that this growing reliance on technology make many people less intelligent all right. So before you, Lavina, what's what's what what's your thoughts about this? Have we become really less intelligent in 2021 and in the light of our growing reliance on AI? <laughs> um, I'll try and give an, an absolute honest answer to this question. Um, so in some regards, we absolutely have become um, you know, less aware or, or less used for those particular traits or skills. Right. However, on the same breath, we've started gaining new skills. Right. And, uh, you know, things like people talk about the invaluable services that AI then replaces. Right. Um, now, you know, mimicking us as human intelligence is great because there's things like perception, problem solving, language, you know, creativity and the rest of it. Um, and we've seen this re relatively well done, right? I think the most recent uh, AI bot actually sold its painting or NFT for a million US dollars, right? Um, but in the same breath, us as humans, we have started gravitating and reinventing ourselves, which is um, such a key skill and, um, an, uh, you know, almost a necessity for us to be able to survive the next generation of the merged worlds between machine and humans, right? Um, or machine and man, as they say. Um, so I think, you know, as much as there's the fear, and I think next year, we're probably going to see a lot more of that fear sort of surfacing to the level. Um, but, you know, in the same breath, we are finding ways to reinvent ourselves. So, I mean, imagine for a moment that you could pick any particular thing that you wanted to do or get involved with. You have that ability to do that. Whereas previously you were dictated by, I have to put bread on the table or I have to be able to, you know, do this because this has been my family lineage or, you know, all those kind of pressures kind of get removed from society, right? And we're in a position where um, it's almost like, you know, um, uh, you have a blank canvas and what are you going to paint? Mm. Mm. Wow, you have a black canvas. What, what are, are you going, going to paint? paint? <laughs> <laughs> like, like the tabula rasa, you know, it's just open. You decide um, what knowledge you feed it and all of that. Okay, um, now let's get into the trends uh, that shaped the year 2021. Um, the release of the 2020 Government AI Readiness Index by UKB's Oxford um, Insights, you know, shows Mauritius, South Africa, Seychelles, Rwanda, Senegal, you know, make it into the top of the rankings. Now, from then till now, 2021, uh, we're you know, drawing the course in some 2021. What sectors and what trends uh, would you say defined or shaped uh, the AI space in Africa? Great question. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, the sectors, I think everyone's really familiar with the fintech space. And that has definitely been one of the largest things that has influenced um, and shaped Africa as a continent. And through that, we have seen a lot more people that have had, um, you know, non-banking, being able to access things via, a, you know, um, a mobile technology or through fintech itself. 
uh, we've seen you know more inclusion or financial inclusion that people talk about as a result of that. Um, equally so, we've also seen a lot of awareness raised. So a lot of education that's kind of happening, right? Um, around a dinner table, you know, it's becoming more of a common conversation where a grandparent is sitting with a grandchild and saying, you know, teach me about this particular tech or, you know, uh, tell me how to implement this. And this uh, kind of really reminds me of a story that um, of a 16 year old, um, you know, student that I met probably about six years ago. And, you know, uh, his family was in agri-tech or, or agricultural sorry, agriculture business. And he literally took that and merged that into some form of agri-tech space uh, where he could do, you know, uh, use AI and machine learning for leaf analysis and crop yielding predictions and, you know, the rest of it. And actually helped them survive this digital transitioning that needed to happen. Um, you know, another large sector that we've seen a lot of adoption is in, in is obviously blockchain. Now, what is blockchain got to do with AI? It probably has a lot because, you know, as we start merging ourselves into these different fields, um, you know, we're going to see a lot more uh, of these two terms coming up. Um, another area for me has been um, around regulation, regulation and regutech. Um, that has become quite a hot topic when we talk about things like open banking, open financing, when we talk about startup bull policies, when we talk about, you know, intellectual private property, uh, when we talk about, um, you know, an AI policy for the continent, when we talk about a blockchain uh, policy for the continent. These are things that we have massively done within a very short space of time. Um, so, yeah, I think those three sectors has definitely largely shaped uh, a lot of 2021. I quite agree with you, Lavina. Um, let's talk about the growing trend of Regutech, all right? Because one major trend we saw this year was a lot of company, or a lot of countries rather, either adopted biometrics or legislation on biometrics in Africa. Now, what's your take on this particular trend? That's one and two. Uh, the many accusations related to the issues of surveillance in Africa in relation to AI being used to invade privacy, uh, so mistrust, sus suppress dissent. So what's your take on all of these trends? Yeah, um, that's quite a key point, right? Um, because it talks very much to the ethical side of AI um, or the ethical side of technology, as we call it. Um, biometrics is definitely something that needed to uh, be placed uh, within the African specific continent because a lot of it has not been catered for by the wider generic technology uh, solutions that exist to date. So we had to almost take that and start readapting it, uh, which gave us the power to be able to you know, hold our own data sets and understand ourselves better because let's be honest africa has so much of diversity not only in people but languages and cultures and you know we could go on and even skills and you know you bring all of that and you culminate it into one point as a biometrics and it becomes all of a sudden a very complex problem and you know for us to have taken that and really segmented it down to a point where we can successfully actually do this is uh, is tenfold huge, right? Um, when we talk about the surveillance factor that you brought up, I mean, this is such 
an important one. And we have two very varied ways of thinking, right? Some are like the likes of Asia where, you know, surveillance is okay and it's normal and it should be part of our day-to-day lives. And then we have the rest that says, well, you know, I actually don't want to be, um, you know, under 24-hour surveillance. Why should I? And the rest of it. And, you know, as we start trying to adapt as a human species to that kind of concept, we already have tech uh, that has brought in a layer of, you know, um, virtual reality glasses or, you know, things like that. And, and you know, the most recent example is Facebook that or, or Meta that, uh, you know, um, sort of uh, got themselves into partnership with Ray-Ban in terms of that, right? So imagine for a moment that you're standing and, and walking around with a pair of, you know, virtual reality glasses and, you know, what kind of information are you getting? That's real time. That's almost instantaneous, right? So this surveillance is not only necessarily a camera surveillance that we perceive it to be. It's surveillance on all different levels all the time, and it's real time. So, you know, we've almost entering a phase where, you know, we've got to be okay with everything that we do all the time, whether it's in the physical space or the digital space, because on some level, it's going to be monitored on either or, okay, or it's even going to become into this extended reality or mixed reality that we call it. So, you know, surveillance is something that I really urge everybody to take seriously. Uh, it is not something that, you know, we should just sweep under the carpet. Um, you know, ways to overcome that is definitely empower yourself by educating yourself, you know, um, go and ask questions find out why, figure out how it actually works, and figure out if it's actually needed or not. Um, you know, if anything we've learned, uh, us as digital citizens, we actually have the power to influence policy. Yeah, and something as important as your digital identity, um, this becomes the core component when we talk about surveillance, when we talk about, you know, uh, you anywhere in the digital world and digital space. This is something that is almost like you, you know, not only uh, your avatar version of who you are, but it's also your entire history of who you are. So whether it, that comes from, you know, your credit perspective, whether that comes from a surveillance perspective, whether that comes from a cybersecurity perspective, whether that comes from regulation, whether that comes from, um, you know, um, payments that you've made, whether it's your medical history. I mean, it, it's insane to kind of think about, you know, the magnitude of surveillance that could possibly happen. Mm. Wow, very important. Um, just like you just mentioned cybersecurity now, if I you know, had a chance to add to your top three list, I'd add, add cybersecurity as number four. Um, and um, because I have a soft spot for climate, I'll add climate and AI yeah. um, as number five. Um, okay, but let's, let's continue this line of um, regulation. Concerning the um, many concerns that have been raised, their efforts... Um, that seems to have already started to provide some form of legislation, some form of industry standards. Um, OECD in 2019 um, adopted some ethical guidelines to govern AI. You know, for them, democratic values um, contributing to broad-based economic growth was top on their list. Um, some also private investors um, like IFC created their own AI codes of conduct, right? Uh, in an effort to back only technology that does good. They have, you know, what they have as their own priorities. 
with moves such as this one and the most recent being the UNESCO member states adopting the first global AI ethics agreements just in November 2021, what are the implications of these agreements for Africa? I think it is uh, fundamentally the same across board. Um, you know, we are grateful that these things uh, and these frameworks are sort of coming into place. Um, so let's take the one that you recently mentioned was the Global uh, AI Ethics Agreement. Um, you know, the main focus of that has been data protection. Data protection, data protection, and data protection. Uh, there is such a strong emphasis on this is because we now understand the magnitude of what data it is that we carry around as digital citizens, right? So what does this mean? Uh, this uh, sort of, you know, has a huge implication for Africa as a continent. Why? Um, purely because, you know, when we talk about data sovereignty, right, uh, it becomes quite a key topic. So, you know, just to give us a sort of, um, you know, baseline example, that baseline example would be in the fintech space. So, for example, when I make a payment from South Africa, say, to the UK, you know, it has to go through multiple sort of sections and before it gets to the other side. But it needs to also tick certain boxes to make sure that it is within the necessary parameters to end up on the other side. So similarly, the same thing is said to be true when we talk about data. So if I have to share my data with somebody anywhere in the world or even in space, <laughs> you know, that becomes a key thing in terms of who is actually responsible for that data. So, you know, this is where it gets really tricky because I may generate the data, but someone else may utilize it in such a way that it makes sense in a particular context and they become the creators of that data that is fundamentally mine. So, you know, this whole who owns the data, how do we actually transfer data from one place to the other? You know, the whole sovereignty thing uh, that's kept in the middle of it. Um, you know, this becomes uh, key components for it. And I'm actually really glad that, um, you know, Africa is part of those conversations that's happening. Um, because as much as we're the youngest continent, we're also the continent that's up and coming with the largest amount of data that is untouched and uncaptured, right? So, you know, it becomes really key if we can get into those conversations up front and understand fundamentally how we can structure something without making the same mistakes uh, that the previous uh, predecessors have done so. Wow, I really hope that we can think very well about data and how much of an effect it will have. All right, uh, Lavina, now consultancy firm PwC estimates that AI and related technologies will add more than about 15 trillion US dollars to the global gross domestic product by 2013. Now, PwC also estimates that nearly 70% of AI's economic impact will be concentrated in China and in North America. All right. Now, what possible challenges did we notice in AI's adoption in Africa? Okay. And what strategies would you advise to fix these challenges so that we can benefit from these monies uh, that I've just mentioned? I love this question. Um, you know, for me, it's about um, understanding those particular applications of AI that have worked well within the African context. 
So, uh, for example, um, we have, uh, you know, socioeconomic inclusion that happens, right, uh, where refugees are now included as part of society uh, because they can walk into any restaurant and be able to pick up uh, food, right, um, via a USSD or via just, you know, uh, a smartphone if they do have one, um, you know, so those kind of tech is available and is there. Another example is, you know, um, recycled tires in Nigeria that are then being used uh, and repurposed for flooring that's happening. So certain things that probably already exist, we need to then amplify and we need to be able to get them across the continent as quick as possible. So this requires a lot of collaboration, but it is collaboration between the startups. It's collaboration between the ecosystems. It's collaboration between uh, investors. It's collaboration between regulators and, you know, governments, um, you know, in terms of seeing the greater common use, right? So we almost got to ask ourselves the question, uh, what is it that we want for Africa, right? And, you know, is it the sustainability? Is it the impact? Is it just the tech, right? And then things become a lot clearer in terms of how we start applying that. You know, even when we talk about uh, green hydro or when we talk about nano and quantum, which is huge in the continent, right, uh, in terms of research, you know, these things, again, if we are world leaders in these things, we need to be able to find ourselves into a position where we can optimize on it. So some of our challenges we know has been lack of understanding, lack of understanding, not only from the politicians that sit, that then make up the regulations, but also, you know, um, understanding from citizens, understanding from also uh, corporates, right, that are there. Uh, we also have no central governance body when it comes to technology in Africa. That is something that, you know, is huge and we need. Uh, because in essence, it's not only going to allow for the regulations and, you know, allow for, uh, you know, startups to kind of boom in what they're doing, but it also allows for the other softer skills to be taken into account from a psychological perspective, from an economic perspective um, that we may have forgotten about. We also know that poor infrastructure has been a, a, a huge source um, that I think has been largely focused on, right, in terms of telcos. In, in 2021. And, you know, I, I still believe there's a lot to be done. Uh, I think the latest stats was 23% of Africans are actually only, uh, I mean, actually have access to the internet, right? 23%, that is really low. Um, so in terms of infrastructure, there is a lot more that we could be doing. Uh, you know, for example, uh, instead of only putting down those large infrastructures, we know of a blockchain sort of uh, solution that exists where you could have a mobile phone that then amplifies itself and becomes almost like a mini receiver so that other people in a community could easily get access. Um, you know, little things like that, uh, that we need to start thinking smarter about. Another huge area for me is the lack of centralized data sets. Data sets are key, absolute key. Um, you know, we've kind of had a lot of success stories and a lot of unicorns, which has been fantastic, but we're soon getting to the phase where we're going to need that centralized repository of data sets for Africa, almost like a Kaggle and a GitHub and, a, you know, all these other things that exist out there, but we, we need one specific for Africa. The other area for me is skills. We have such an opportune moment 
uh, you know, to kind of take the youth that we have. And we largely are a youth-driven continent, right? Uh, not only being the youngest continent, but, you know, our large population size is actually composed of youth. And, you know, taking them and upskilling them already from a young age and giving them access to things like, you know, uh, quantum or blockchain or AI or, you know, nanotechnology or, you know, AR, VR, these things that are emerging. If we can start already at a primary school level or a high school level introducing these things, I think we will be setting ourselves apart uh, in terms of closing that gap. Very interesting um, infrastructure skill. The skill set um, is very, very important. Um, that's what I think, because um, we have a lot of opportunities and a very useful population which we can work with or use to achieve um, the many economic gains that we see other continents achieving. Now, I've heard it being said that AI could widen the gap between the corporate haves and the have-nots, um, since AI needs data. You know, smaller companies without access to a lot of customer information will struggle to compete against the bigger firms like, you know, the Amazons, the Alibabas, you know. But Africa is a continent with a lot of SMEs. In fact, SMEs drive the economy here on the continent. What potentials are there for these small businesses? And can the AFCFT help in any way at all? Brilliant question. So I think the um, you know African Free Trade Agreement has definitely played its part in terms of trying to bridge that gap and unifying that gap and giving them a voice, right? Uh, so that's brilliant. Um, however, we need to still look at the entire value chain. That entire value chain for SMEs or even micro businesses, um, you know, we know is the heart uh, of Africa. Um, you know, this is how everyone kind of you know, gets their uh, money or monthly income. Uh, so is there a place for it? Absolutely. Um, how or, you know, how should we focus on it? Um, I think we've had a lot of startups, uh, especially the fintechs that have been tackling these problems. I could probably think of about three on the top of my head uh, who now have some of them being termed super apps. Some of them are, you know, um, already unicorns that have tackled this particular problem or are reinvesting their uh, money, um, you know, or profits into um, making sure that, you know, people within the rural communities get educated, that they get the infrastructure, that they get the training, that they get the access uh, that is actually needed. Um, and again, I mean, you know, all the things that we've spoken about before really come down to the application. And the one real use case is, exactly this is the rural area or the SMME micro businesses uh, and you know bringing them on board and successfully managing to not only give them loans and you know those kind of things but to literally uplift them and take them from you know the physical into the digital transitioning that needed to happen and um, so that is definitely one I think we're going to see a lot more of. Mm. We just hope to see more of that, as you said, Lavina. Now, there's a popular phrase in Nigeria called Dirty December. All right. Have you heard of it? No. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> it's used to describe a fun-filled festive period. All right. And most, most times it's in December. So you use it to say Dirty December. So how dirty will your December be, Lavina? <laughs> I love it. Um, 
So absolutely, I think, you know, having and continuing these conversations are great, uh, but, you know, finding the applications are even better. Um, so how dirty is it going to be? I think, uh, you know, getting my hands onto not only more books and more content, uh, but I think, you know, uh, also letting my hair down because we all need a rejuvenation after the pandemic. Uh, that's definitely something that's coming. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my family over the festive period. Um, so a, a good injection uh, back into uh, the African soul. <laughs> hmm, your December is about to get really dirty then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your final wishes for Christmas as we run off. Wow. Um, wow, that, 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 that's a big one. <laughs> Nobody prepared me for this one. Um, so, yeah, what would my final wish be? Um, probably to see more unification when it comes to technology in Africa, um, not only from voices, but in terms of applications. I think that is something that I would truly like to see because that's where the impact lies to take, um, you know, us from one sort of socioeconomic standard to the next. And it has the ability of inclusion. It has the ability to bring in the diversity of thinking. It has the ability to bring in a lot more that we probably have negated, um, you know, the transparency factors, the accountability, uh, you know, even from a legal standpoint, um, you know, we've got to start asking ourselves futuristic questions, right? What are the rights of, of bots? Uh, do bots actually get incorporated as a company? What are the rights of humans uh, while bots exist? You know, does that change? Does that fundamentally shift? Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that's probably uh, one of my biggest sort of requests. <laughs> and we've been discussing uh, 2021 AI trends in Africa with an AI strategist and trailblazer standing for the unification of the African tech space. I mean, you just heard her. said, I wish for, for Christmas is to have more unification of technology in Africa. She's a conscious tech force with expertise in technology, psychology, and economics. And she wears many hats, such as chairperson, director, and founder across multiple industries, sectors, and technologies. Lavina Rampison joined us on the show. Thank you, Lavina, and have a beautiful Christmas celebration. Happy holidays to everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.